Today's Happy Healthy You podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash happy healthy you. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. And many of you may be familiar with our guest on the podcast this evening. Dr. Jamie Turndoff is also known by millions as Dr. Love. She's a radio and television personality who has been delighting audiences for, gosh, three decades with her professional expertise, her spicy humor. She's the author of several books on resolving relationship conflicts with partners, friends, family members, and children. And Hay House has published her latest two books, Kiss Your Fights Goodbye, Dr. Love's 10 Simple Steps to Cooling Conflict and Rekindling Your Relationship, and the one we're talking about this evening, her bestseller, Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Turndoff. Can I call you Jamie? Whatever you want to call me is fine. <laughs> I feel like I know you after reading your book. Gosh, what a love story. What yeah. a love story. I should start by saying I'm sorry for your loss. Yes. You are a grief expert, so uh, we're going to talk about that today. Why don't you start by telling us about about your love story and about Jean, your husband, and give us an idea of what he was like. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. So, well, the, our love story really began from the time I was a young girl, because when I was a young girl, I actually had a premonition of the man that I was going to marry one day. I saw him fleshed out. I saw his face. I saw his body. And so I just knew that I had to wait until he appeared in my life. And he actually did appear, Connie, on the first day of my freshman year at Vassar College. I had been shut out of all the intro sociology classes. And the secretary of the sociology department said, why don't you go ask the department chair, Jean Pain, if he can find a seat for you in one of the closed classes. Well, the minute I stepped into his office, I had the first and only out-of-body experience of my life. I felt my soul shooting at high speed through a tunnel to the end of my life. Mm. And then when I shot back into my body, I received the message, remember every aspect of this meeting, he's going to be everything to you one day. And I promptly forgot all about this extraordinary experience and went about <laughs> my life as a student. But I did also hear right after having met Jean that for most of his life, he had been one of the most famous Jesuit priests in history. He had taught at the Vatican and he founded a movement called Liberation Theology designed to fight church oppression from within. And he actually launched to international fame when he publicly opposed the Pope and the Catholic Church as they were trying to block the legalization of divorce. And he was a radical feminist Jesuit priest and he fought the church and the Pope on the grounds of religious freedom liberation theology, the church should butt out of the private sector. And he fought and he won and he changed the course of Italian history. Now, soon after this, the Pope granted him the dispensation of his vows, which meant that he was not excommunicated. He left the Jesuit order and the priesthood and he was recruited by Vassar to be the chair of the Department of Sociology, where he had served for 10 years until the fated day that I met him. Now, in the senior year of my studies at Vassar, I needed help with the statistical portion of my thesis. And I had heard that, among other things, Jean had been one of the most famous Jesuit priests in history. And also, in addition to that, as I said, he was a Jesuit priest, but I didn't say that he had been uh, a statistician. He founded the Vatican's first and only social research center. So I asked him if he would help me with the statistics, and he cheerfully gave me his time. And within a couple of weeks, Connie, we knew we were absolutely perfect for each other. 
Mm-hmm. We were, despite our different ages, our different religions, our different uh, backgrounds. I forgot to say, I was raised by two devout Jewish atheists. Yeah. And the only religion <laughs> my parents practiced was religiously hating each other. Yeah, they, ta- they taught me not to believe in God or the afterlife. I never read the Bible. I never went to church or synagogue. But in spite of these differences, he and I were twins separated at birth. And for the next 27 years, we were inseparable. Oh, that's amazing. And you guys, I, there was quite a big age difference. I know. But... And I used to tease him, you need a younger wife. I can't keep up with you, which was true. <laughs> <laughs> so in the last year of his life, we both began having premonitions that he was going to die of an accident. We just didn't know when or where. So we went to our final vacation in Italy. And after many days of rain, we're sitting on the beach finally, the sky clears, and his hand is up over his head as if to block the rays of the sun. The next thing I know, a bee swoops down and stings his left hand at the exact location of Christ's stigmata. And Connie, I watch my beloved suffocate to death in front of my eyes. Now, I can't even describe the trauma of having him ripped from me in this way. So I'm I'm now back in the hotel room, and I'm lying in the bed, and I'm shaking, and I'm trembling, and I'm crying. I'm hysterical. And the next thing I know, I feel that man's hand stroke the entire length of my spine. I sit bolt upright. I look over my shoulder because I know what I felt. I don't see anything. But he has been with me from that moment on in spirit form. He's been with me ever since. And his astonishing and ongoing manifestations, often in front of witnesses to this day, have just proven to me we don't die. Mm. And therefore, our relationships aren't meant to end in death. And so I've created what I call my trans-dimensional grief therapy method that totally diverges from the Western approach, which is grieve, let go, and move on. And this approach leaves the bereaved at a greater loss. Instead, my method shows the bereaved how to say hello, not goodbye, without the assistance of a medium, a channeler, or a psychic. And then there's one more thing. As a shrink, I know that millions of people harbor unfinished business with somebody in spirit. And again, Western grief therapy offers us no way of making peace with the deceased. And I'm so excited. My new dialoguing with the departed technique offers the first vehicle in history for enabling the bereaved to not only reconnect, but also make peace with the deceased. Yes, I love your book. You give such in such good detail how to go through these processes. Before we talk about that, yeah. I just want to ask you, do you believe that Jean in life, in physical life, was such an evolved soul that he is now able to make such a strong connection? Because so many of us want that connection with our yeah. our loved ones. Can right, you talk about I know. That? So it's really important that people realize that, yes, um, Jean told me right before he left his body, Jamie, you are the most spiritual human being I've ever known. I didn't know what he meant. Really, I didn't because, I mean, I knew I could talk to domestic and wild animals, but I didn't realize that all those observational experiments I was doing in laying hands on animals and people and talking... Um, to the animals and doing distance healings. It was all a preparation for the energetic communication that would come about later uh, in my life. So energetic communication is what we're talking about. And then also the fact that Jean is so evolved helped our channel be so open. The fact that we have such a strong love connection helps our channel be very, very open. Uh, the fact that I was, you know, born three months early, weighed two pounds, spent the first three months of my life in a hospital, and then for the first 10 years of my life had 106 degree fevers, which certainly altered my brain and made me more open. Certainly all of this contributes to the remarkably open channel between us. But the good news is Love Never Dies shows you how to tune to what I call the spirit channel in your brain so that you can create the same open channel because we're all born with the innate ability to do this. I just show you how to train your brain to do it. Yeah, you're you're just a little more practice than most of us. Yeah. Well, you know, I think so many of us go through this. I I 
as I mentioned before the podcast, lost my six-year-old daughter many years ago, but you know, it never, love never dies, as you say. And I continue to miss her, although the grief has subsided quite a bit. But right after she died, my three-year-old Caroline, who is now grown, would ask me, where is Megan, mommy? Where is Megan? And I went to my priest, Episcopal priest, who who became a bishop, and so she should know the answer to this question. And she said, just give her some a vague answer. You don't have to tell yeah. her specifically where she is. Just say she's in heaven. And I did that. And Caroline, being tenacious and precocious, said, where's heaven? And, and that sent me on this whole... Mm-hmm. crazy wild goose chase to know where my child was. So what do you say to, to parents and other grieving people? Where are our loved ones? What does okay, Jean so tell you? Okay, so that is so important. And, you know, the beautiful thing is, well, because part one of Love Never Dies is my memoir. Right. I pick up right from that night and I tell you all kinds of examples from uh, Jean's manifestations showing you what Jean said to me, which is heaven is a state, not a place. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is here and now. So death is an illusion. These are all his words. There's a very thin veil between the realm where you are and the realm where I am. The veil is thinner than you can ever imagine. I'm standing right here. And, you know, the thing is, our story is so such a powerful proof of the fact that heaven is all around us. Do you want me to share a few of those examples? Yes, absolutely. That would be great. Thanks. Uh, Okay, so uh, the first night I came back from Italy, obviously I'm alone in our bed and I don't sleep a wink. And the next morning I go down to the kitchen and I hear Jean saying to me, this is called thought induction or mind melding. You don't actually hear a voice, but they put a thought in your mind. Mm -hmm. I hear him saying to me, Jamie, open the back door. I want to show you something. So I immediately open the back door and sitting on the step, is a chipmunk. Now, normally a little chipmunk would get startled and run away, but this chipmunk is sitting in a trance, frozen. And I realize that Jean wants to speak to me through this chipmunk. And I've actually since coined the term open vessels to to describe animals, both domestic and wild, and some human beings who are particularly open to channel messages from spirit. So the chipmunk begins to mimic Jean's bodily departure. He is choking and ripping at his little face with his little hand the way Jean was ripping at the oxygen mask because the air wasn't getting into his lung. The chipmunk is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, tears are pouring down my face as I'm watching the little animal recreate Jean's bodily death. Mm -hmm. Now, after 20 minutes of this, I visibly see this chipmunk cough cough up a wonk of mucus. I see it come out and the chipmunk's in peace. And now I know Jean is saying to me through the chipmunk, Jamie, I'm okay. Now, a couple days later, Connie, I had to send a fax to Verizon, our telephone company, to take his name off the account. Throughout the day, I had sent many multi-page faxes, no problem. But when I went to fax his death certificate, the cover letter faxes without a hitch, but the death certificate would not fax. Now I try with the obit. Again, the cover letter faxes without a hitch, but the obit will not fax. I try 20 times. It doesn't work. I give up. Mm -hmm. The next day, I go to the lawyer and I say, without explaining why, would you mind just faxing this for me to Verizon? I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, after 20 minutes, all the secretaries come out from the back and they are hysterically crying. They say, Jamie, we tried 20 times to fax the death certificate and the obit. No matter how many times we tried, the cover letter went without a a hitch, but the death certificate and the obit would not fax. They said, he is telling you he's not gone. (laughs) <laughs> so, so they were they were with you on that. That's, right. That's pretty so cool. now I go home and again, I have to fax the death certificate somewhere else. And Jean hangs it up. So I stop the fax and I say out loud, I think you keep hanging up the death certificate in the obit because I keep forgetting that you're still here with me. If I promise to remember, will you let this fax go through in its entirety? All of a sudden, Connie, I feel this tidal wave of love pour into me. I know it's Jean's way of saying, I heard you, Jamie. And the answer is yes. I reissue the facts. 
it goes through without a hitch. Okay, so now I'm starting to realize some pretty wild things are happening because people start walking up to me, people I've never seen, they don't know me, they didn't know Jean, and they just say, your husband says, tell our story. And then they walk on. Oh my goodness. I know. Now around this time, I'm driving in my car and I feel the need to pray to Jean. Mind you, I was a devout atheist. I never prayed in my life, but now I'm feeling I have to pray to Jean on behalf of my friend, Emily. Now, Emily didn't know Jean, never even saw a picture of him. Jean never met Emily. And the prayer I issue to Jean is, please help my friend, Emily, find love. I instantly feel this tidal wave of love pouring into me again. And I know it's Jean's way of saying, I heard your prayer. I look at the clock. For some reason, I'm led to look and I see it's 4.58. That night, Emily phones me, Connie. She (laughs) says to me, Jamie, I have to tell you what happened. I said, what happened, Emily? She said, at 4.58, I fell into a trance. Your husband appeared to me. She describes him to a T. She says, he told me, quote, to find love, follow the gray stones to the church in your neighborhood. Now, this was so astounding because by having her repeat my prayer to him, he was proving to me that he had heard my prayer. He was proving I'm right here. But of course, he was also blessing Emily by sending her to that church. Now, the next week I go to my professional group and a member of my group, is named Mitch Wood, and Emily is also a member of the group, and she tells the story. Now, Mitch Wood had been a seminarian, so he asks Emily, what was the name of the church in your neighborhood? And she says, the name was the Claremont Church. Mitch says, oh my gosh, the Claremont Church is New York City's only liberation theology seminary. Remember I said Jean founded the liberation. So talk about putting his stamp all over this manifestation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So now I'm just going to give you one more example from Love Never Dies. And this one involves the phone. So it's early in my grieving and I am lying on the floor in my closet and I'm crying. And I tell the story in Love Never Dies why I was crying, which I don't need to get into now. I was just crying and I'm thinking, I have to call my friend Anne. No, don't bother her. It's the middle of her workday, but I have to talk to her. After 20 minutes of this, my phone rings. I drag myself up out of the closet and I run to get the phone. It's Anne. She says to me, Jamie, did you call? I say, no, Anne, but I tell her I was thinking I had to call you. She says, but Jamie, my phone rang and your name and number appeared on my caller ID. Mm. Well, obviously this blew our minds because Jean knew I was in trouble. He was so present. He he manipulated her electronics <laughs> so that my name and number would appear so she would know to call me. Well, crazy, right? So I love year, that story. It's, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> now, a year later, I'm in bed with a bad cough and I think I'm going to suffocate to death the way Jean did. And I say to him out loud, Jean, if you're here with me now, I need a sign that you're with me. Please do that caller ID phone trick right now with my (laughs) housekeeper, Donna. Do it. (laughs) Two seconds later, my phone rings. It's Donna. Mm. She says, Jamie, did you call? I said, no, Donna. I was just thinking I needed you to call. And I asked Jean to do the caller ID trick. She said, well, Jamie, my phone rang. And your name and number appeared on my caller ID. <laughs> I love that story too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, your it's book. crazy. Your book right, is so chock full of these. So here's yeah. the culmination of the phone thing. So I go to okay. my writers group, and I tell Gabe Davis, a devout Jewish atheist, who's the head of the writers group, all about Jean's manifestations, including these phone and caller ID tricks. So Gabe says, "You know, Jamie." I would like to see that caller ID phone trick repeated. And this time, I would like to see whether your phone caller log shows a record of you dialing out even when you haven't used the phone. So I forget the challenge. And a month later, I'm set to meet Gabe and his wife, Robin, for dinner. And I'm driving behind them. And all of a sudden, I feel that tidal wave of love again. I look at my clock. I note the time. It's 4.58. I get to the restaurant. Gabe 
jumps out of his car and he runs up to me. He says, Jamie, you will not believe what happened. I said, Gabe, what happened? He says, at 4.58, my cell phone rang. He <laughs> said, I picked up the phone and I saw your name and number on the caller ID. He said, then I answered the call and a man's voice said, is Jamie there? <laughs> is Jamie there? He said, wow. the voice had an accent and it prolonged the syllable there. Well, Jean was French, and he did prolong that syllable. It sounded like there. He said, it was not a real call. The voice just faded away, never clicked off the line. Oh. He says, Jamie, go get your phone. See if it dialed me. So I dig into my purse. I hadn't used the phone all day. Sure enough, at 4.58, my call log showed that the phone was manipulated to dial Gabe. So <laughs> the point, Connie, of these over-the-top manifestations is, remember, he asked me to tell our story. He did. These are over-the-top because they are for you. They're for everybody listening because Jean told me right after he left his body, Jamie let our love shine like a torch that lights the path for others. So mm -hmm. our story is meant to let you know that your loved ones are here with you too. They're just waiting for you to open the door of your heart to them. Mm, that's so beautiful. You you write in your book that Jean, this book is really a, a collaboration between the two of you and that yeah. he asked yeah. you to tell the story for two reasons mm -hmm. to help alleviate two of the the worst fears that we have as yes, humans, yes. that of loving and losing and that of death and dying. And it, yes. it really achieves that. I mean, Oh, thank you. Nobody's ever said that to me before. And I have done so many interviews. So it's really wonderful to hear you say that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about who can benefit. Maybe you can give some examples of Obviously, you found great healing in your connection with Jean on the other okay. side. Uh, okay. Are there uh, other people that you've worked with that have connected with their loved ones? Okay. All right. So, so here's the thing. Everybody, from my point of view, everybody needs to reconnect. Now, because there are extremes. Obviously, there are some people who desperately need to connect, reconnect and stay connected. The very young who have lost their parents, they need to reconnect to their parents. Parents who have lost children need to reconnect and stay connected. The elderly who may not wish to form a primary attachment. And uh, anyone who's lost someone due to sudden tragic illness where the person was ripped from you due to an accident or sudden illness, you need to at least, at the very least, reconnect in order to say farewell to the physical body. So here's the thing. We all need to reconnect. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, when we do reconnect, what we discover is, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's the thing. People don't reconnect because... They are riddled with false beliefs and teachings that tell them that they can't reconnect. It's not possible to reconnect. So I want to talk a little bit about this. This is part two of Love Never Dies, okay. where I show you how to overcome all the false teachings, the false Christian teachings, the false beliefs. May I share a little bit of that? Yes, thank you. That would be great. Oh, okay. So, well, the first obstacle is that we are told, especially Christians, Catholics, they're told, and this is the wrong belief, that we're not supposed to stay in connection with our loved ones in spirit. Now, how did I discover that this is what Christians are told and that this is a wrong belief? It was my first night back from Italy and I was lying in bed and I heard Jean quoting something to me. I just didn't know what it was, okay? Now, the next day I go to meet his priest whom I'd never met before because, as I said, I never went to church, never, um, you know, met him. So I'm at the at the the church, and I tell him Jean's talking to me, and the priest raises his brow in obvious skepticism, like, "Yo, this babe has really lost her marbles." <laughs> but then, when I proceed to tell him what Jean is saying to me, the priest blanches, he crosses himself, and he says, "Dear God, Jamie." At first, I did not believe that Jean was speaking to you, but I do now. You are quoting an obscure biblical passage from the communion of saints, like I would have known. As I said, I never read the Bible. Jean right. and I never discussed religion, at least not when he lived in a body. So it took me a year to understand why Jean chose to quote that 
and only that passage to me. Now, remember, he was a religious pioneer in life, and he continues to be in the afterlife. Now, the communion of saints says that our loved ones in spirit are one with or in communion with God and the saints. And since the Bible is telling us that we are supposed to stay in communion and communication with God and the saints, it means that the Bible is telling us we are also supposed to stay in communion and communication with our loved ones in spirit because they are one with God and the saints. So Jean's point is what we have been told about the afterlife is dead wrong if you'll pardon the pun. We are not supposed to live in an emotional wasteland separated from those we love, waiting until we die and supposedly enter heaven. Because as I said earlier, heaven is a state, not a place. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is here and now. This means we're supposed to reconnect with our loved ones now. I think a lot of people though, Jamie, are are afraid of opening the door to okay, some type of evil. Okay, that is very common, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. very common fear. And uh, a lot of that also comes from false Christian teachings. The, oh, you open the door, you're opening the door to the devil. And the idea is, actually, Jean explained this to me after he left his body. It's bad for business. If we can make our own direct connection with God, the saints, and our loved ones, we cut out the middleman, the church, the priest. They don't make money. So they tell us, oh, no, this is the devil. You need me to talk to God and protect you from evil. But it is all not true. Because the fact is, Jean never spoke about devil and darkness and evil. And I have never encountered anything like it. Because for one thing, our loved ones in spirit are our gatekeepers. They're here to protect us and shower us in love. If there are any negative presences, they protect us. Besides, we all have a built-in what I call spiritual call blocking feature in our brains. You don't want to take a call, don't take the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. What What is the best way to be receptive to our loved ones if we want to make connection? Can you recommend All right. some? So, okay, so now we're moving into part three of the book. Right, right. So do you want to jump into that now? Well, I think so, because I, th okay. I, I think, I think that's something that really takes practice. I mean, okay. I, All right. So let's go to part three. So part three of Love Never Dies is where I show you, okay, we've gotten rid of all the false misconceptions and the false teachings. And I talk about all the reasons I demystify how it even happens. Yes. You know, all the science and, and actually the book's coming out in soft cover in August. And I added more science from the quantum physicists to oh, the holographic God. model. So there's actual science that explains this. Oh, it's, I'm so happy you did that. I can't wait to read I, it. I did. I did. I added all that. So That's so part, hard to grasp. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I kind of break it down, basically. It's so simple. Good. And it makes so much sense. And the quantum physicists are saying, well, this makes complete sense. You know, because when they look at the, the world, there's a lot of dark matter, you know, and apparently they can't account for what's in the dark matter. And now we are really believing it's all this energy and the spirit of our loved ones. They're just in the dark matter in, as Jean was saying, right next to us in the dark matter. Oh, okay. So, so now it, so part three of love never dies. I show you how you can reestablish your own connection with loved ones in spirit without a medium, without a channeler, without a psychic. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing you have to remember to demystify this is we're all born with this innate ability to communicate with spirit. And commu communicating with spirit is nothing more than turn tuning your brain to the spirit channel and learning how to send and receive energetic signals. Okay? Now, the first chapter in part three of Love Never Dies is how to create a state of receptivity. Because obviously the more open we are to receiving the energetic signals, the easier it's going to be for us to not only receive, but also send. Now, one of the first things that Jean said to me, which I share with everybody who reads the book, is that you need to create what I call pockets of peace. Because we need to be still and quiet. As Jean said, Jamie, the noise of the day drowns me out. So anytime you want to hear me, come to the bed and be still and quiet. And I learned later that the Bible said, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. So we, we sit in silence. I show you how to just get little pockets of peace. Turn off the TV. Turn off the music. Sit in silence. I show you how to find a peaceful practice that's right for you, whether it's yoga, tai chi, qigong. Okay? Okay. 
Then I also give you a breathing exercise because Jean showed me spirit is born on the breath. And he actually showed me how to bring him into myself using the breath. So I show you how to do that. Then I also show you in this chapter in Love Never Dies on receptivity, how to surrender to your emotional states, but not allow them to wash you overboard. And this is very important because if you think about stormy climates, how they block the sending and the receiving of radio and TV signals. Well, our own atmospheric storms work in the same way. They block us from not only sending, but also receiving. Think about when we're driving in a dark tunnel. We may have received a cell phone call, but we don't even know it because we're in the dark tunnel. Then we come out of the tunnel. Oh, I got a call. Same thing with grief, especially in the early days when we're so deeply upset. Mm -hmm. And when we need to reconnect more than ever, we're blocking through being so upset. So I show you in this chapter how to titrate your emotions, not to allow yourself to get too upset. I also show you how to use hypnagogic or twilight states, which is the state just before you wake up, just before you go to sleep, where we're more open to energetic communications. And then I also give you a way of using nature to help you open up to spirit. And last but not least, I give you really fun exercises for opening up all your five senses. So obviously, the more our senses are turned on, the more we're going to be able to perceive the signs that are being sent us all the time to all our senses. Okay. Now, speaking of signs, the next chapter in part three of Love Never Dies is how to recognize the signs of spirit presence. Because I must tell you, Connie, Everybody I've talked to, and I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people on this topic, you know, also through the Coast to Coast show and, uh, you know, through my Hay House show, Love Never Dies. People always start out by saying to me, oh, I'm not getting any signs. And then what I do is I lay out for them in this chapter every sign of spirit presence and I categorize it so that you can see, you know, how it it shakes down. And invariably, people say to me, Oh, this happened and that happened and this happened. And for many, many people, just recognizing the signs of spirit presence in their lives is enough to begin the reconnection. So, I mean, obviously, because spirit beings are freed from the human vessel, they can influence the material world in infinite ways. So, I mean, they can create funny sounds. They can create scents. They can have animals behaving oddly, like the chipmunk. They can create odd sensations in us, a sensation of chills, drafts, goose flesh, temperature changes. And they also can do symbolic communications, you know, butterflies. And they also will manifest coins that were minted on a year that had significance to you. Oh, I can't believe you said that. The day that uh, I went to the funeral home after my daughter died, I looked down, I got out of my car and I, I was so upset and I looked down and there was a shiny penny and for some reason I you were uh, I looked at it and I only pick them up if they're heads up. I don't know why, <laughs> but it was 1985, the year she was born. There you go. Pennies from mm -hmm. heaven. I've heard that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I was telling a patient of mine named Kyla, right? Mm -hmm. I said, this is the anniversary week that Jean left his body and he'll bring me a lot of coins minted on the year he left his body. Let me know. Mm. I know what year it is. I'm here with you. So um, my patient blinks and she says, oh, my gosh, Jamie, I almost forgot. She says, you see these cowboy boots I'm wearing? I said, yeah. She says, well, they were off my feet in the middle of my bedroom when I saw a coin falling from the ceiling out of thin air, landed in the boot, and I got a message. It was for you. I forgot. I never (laughs) took it out. She says, let me give it to you now. As she's dumping her boot over, I hear Jean say, you'll see. It was minted the year I left my body. Sure enough, it was. Okay. (laughs) So now, now, Connie, Love Never Dies takes you to a place take spirit communication to a place that nobody's ever seen before. The CEO of Hay House said, we've never seen anything like this. Because what I do now is I show you how you can dialogue, speaking back and forth with anyone in spirit. And you can do this to heal unfinished business. You can do it to reconnect. You can do it to obtain guidance. You can do it in any number of ways. So can I give you an example of how we can dialogue back yes. and forth with the help of signs. Let's do that. That sounds okay. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now, so we can use signs and we can also use 
earthly props. I'm going to give you some other examples of how we use earthly props, which are often electronic devices. And we can use also human and animal open vessels and signs. These are the three ways that we can dialogue back and forth. So here's a good example of the difference between a static sign versus a dialoguing back and forth with the help of these signs. Okay. Okay. So it was the anniversary week of Jean's bodily departure this year, and I went to my chiropractor's office, and I say to the secretary there, Teresa, this is the anniversary. I'm giving my first public talk. At that moment, I instantly smell gardenias. Now, that's a sign. That's a scent. They call it the scent of mm -hmm. sanctity. I don't say a word, and at that moment, Teresa says to me, Jamie, do you smell gardenias? So I said, oh, wow, he's giving you the same sign. So he's dropping this sign on both of us. Okay, now I go home, I'm in my office, and I tell the story to a patient named Regina who desperately needs to reconnect to her sister in spirit. Now, I say to Regina the whole thing about the scent of sanctity and the smell of gardenias. At that moment, Jean speaks to me and I hear him saying to me, but I wish that I could have given you a bouquet of roses this week. Now, Jean always gave me roses every week. Now, Regina pops up off the couch and she says, Jamie, do you smell roses? <laughs> oh, now, in that elegant manifestation, hmm. Jean was using her to dialogue with me. She was the open vessel. He put the smell of roses in her sensory apparatus so that he could say to me, you heard me right, Jamie. I told you I wanted to give you roses and I used her as an open vessel to let you know you heard me right. I was speaking to you. Now that's amazing, right? Yes. Okay. Now I want to give you another example of, and this is a really cool example of both a dialogue with me using a human open vessel and an earthly prop. And in this case, it's an electronic device. I did the coast to coast radio show and love never dies became an overnight bestseller. The next day I get an email from a guy who says to me, listen, your husband is burning up my brain with messages for you. So he proceeds to tell me he's speaking to me in French and Italian. And the guy says to me, I'm a hillbilly. I don't, I don't know no Italian. <laughs> That's so funny. It's oh, very, very goodness. funny, right? So, and then he proceeds to say things to me that I know were things only Jean said to me. The guy didn't even know what he was saying as he said it. Now it's Valentine's Day and the guy writes to me and he says, I am so blown away. My brains are bursting from what Jean did for Valentine's Day. He said, I'm sitting with my hands in my lap, I'm not even touching my computer, when I hear Jean speaking to me and saying, Jamie, uh, send Jamie the photo of the peach colored rose. Now, nobody in the world knows but I, that Jean not only gave me roses every week, but he gave me peach colored roses, okay? Now the guy says with his hands in his lap, Jean opens, the menu on his computer, his wife is a professional photographer and Jean opens a photo of a peach colored rose. And then he opens the caption on the photo and the name of the photo is peaches and cream. Now the night before the guy had written to me and he said, Jean wants you to know your time is now to which I replied, well, Jean always told me the cream rises to the top, peaches and cream. Oh, unbelievable. Right. So so the thing is, I show you in the third part of Love Never Dies how to be open to these dialogues. So I show you how to do I, I give you my meditation for making contact. I put you into a specific trance. Then I show you how to dialogue back and forth in writing using an um, a audio tape if you want or in writing. And then I show you how to continue the dialogue until you get what, whatever it is you need, whether it's guidance or if you need to take it to the place of healing. I have a lot of examples in Love Never Dies 
of how to heal and finish business. And what is so exciting, this is what I've discovered, and I had no idea of this till Jean left his body. Even though Western grief therapy tells you that if somebody has left his body and you have unfinished business, your SOL, it is not true. Because what I've discovered is we often have to wait until somebody leaves his body in order to work it out. Because in spirit form, they are more evolved. In spirit form, they see how they messed up with us. So how I discovered this was, it was the first week after Jean left his body and I took the car in for service. They didn't know me there. Jean did the car thing. I introduced myself to Debbie behind the desk and I tell her what happened to Jean. She says, my husband is in spirit as well. With that, her husband starts banging down my door to tell me a message for his wife. And this is what he says. He says, tell her to please stop making the mistake that I always made because now she's creating the same power struggle that I created with our son. She's doing it. Well, this blew my mind because I realized the guy had to be out of his body in order to realize the mistake that he had made with their son. Sure. And now here's one more thing that is so important for everybody listening to know. In addition to them being able to work it out with you where they couldn't, where they were in, when they were in a body, they also desperately need us to work it out with them. Their own spiritual development requires it. Mm. They, and they are begging us to confront them for, on what they did wrong. And they want us to confront them, not only to help them evolve, but to help us heal. Now, how I discovered this is it was Good Friday. And Jean led me to see Lainey, the bird lady. She had tried to help us save our canary and we were unsuccessful. After five years of trying, we had to put the bird down. So I don't know Lainey from Adam. I don't know her personally. And he leads me to her bird breeding place. And I walk in the door and she points out a bird that is right next to the door. And she says to me, you see this little Gouldian finch? It's going to be dead by nightfall if it doesn't eat and it hasn't eaten in two days. So I say to her, Lainey, can I try to help this poor little bird? And she says to me, okay, Jamie, okay. So I go over to the bar, I press my cheeks against the bar and I say to this bird, I want you to go down to the seed bowl and eat right away. Now, instead of freaking out, the bird just instantly obeys me because I was doing energetic communication, right? Mm -hmm. I even I spoke aloud so Lainey would hear me, but the bird understood my message, went down, started eating. And the more that bird ate, the more he scarfed up seeds like a little mini vacuum, the stronger he got. He starts chirping. He starts singing. He's moving around. Hmm. All of a sudden, I hear a woman, which sounds like Lainey's mother, saying to me, I'm sorry I was such a weakling. Tell her I was such a weakling and I'm sorry I didn't protect her her from him. So I say this and Lainey bursts into tears and she says, Jamie, that's my mom. And my mom always used to call herself a weakling. That's a word she used. Now, at this moment, I look at the bird and the bird is looking messed up again. He's kind of craning his neck upward to the sky and he's not eating. So I realize there's another presence and this presence is making the bird sick. So I say to the bird, listen, go down to your seed bulb, go back to eating. I'll help Lainey with this other uh, entity. Now, all of a sudden, I hear this father saying, I'm begging you to confront me on sexually molesting you because I know you're still terrified of me and I must help you to heal this and I can't evolve unless you confront me. So I say all of this to her and again she cries and she says it's true. She's still a little girl inside mm. and she's still scared of him. So we dialogued with him back and forth and before we were done she had really done a lot of healing and she wasn't afraid of him anymore. And I can say that this is happening every week on the Hay House show. People are calling in with unfinished business, sure. with people who have been in spirit for decades. I put them in the trance. We dialogue and they are healed and they are in peace. Yeah, that is so beautiful. I just have a couple of questions about that. So you yeah. you say that when we cross over, when we, we are on the other side, we are... Are we instantly evolved or are we are we where we were when we when we left okay. the body? What what we are is we have a better perspective. Okay. 
Okay. We're still in a process of growing. We're still in need of evolving. Whatever you were in a bodily form, you really still are the same, but you are better in the sense that you see where you went wrong and you are wanting to make amends. So now my goal would be to be more like Jean, so I can just cross over and just be that powerful spirit because I've done all the work and I have no unfinished business here. Yeah. So why, you know, make your amends here before you... This is a really cool thing, and I'm glad you said it because this is the neatest part of all about Love Never Dies. Yeah. Now, if you think about it, to answer your wish to be evolved, let me backtrack and explain how reconnecting facilitates this. Okay. Because... What's our purpose on earth, right? We, we know that we're all here to perfect our ability to love, right. to love ourselves and to love others. I mean, this life is our love lab. That's what we're here for. But we all know that it's hard to love others when we don't fully love ourselves. Now, I am living proof, Connie, of the challenge. How do you love yourself fully when you were raised by abusive parents? Yeah. Both my mother and my father physically and verbally beat me down. And... Even though I spent 27 years with Jean, who was just this, you know, embodiment of unconditional love, and Mm -hmm. he poured his love on me, still, it didn't fully enter me, and it didn't fully heal my self-esteem. I continued to live with my parents' mean voices still tearing me down in my head. No matter how successful, no matter what, they were still in my head, really tormenting my peace. After Jean left his body... I went to my professional group and I, you know, was talking with all the analysts there and and I said, I'm desperate. I'm desperate to heal this and I to make those voices shut up. So everybody in the group said, well, just yell at them. Tell them to shut the F up and let our voices be louder than theirs. It never worked. Never worked, Connie. So I come home and I'm so desperate about this. I'm begging Jean, please help me heal this. Please help me heal this. And All of a sudden, Connie, he appears to me as the embodiment of love. Mm -hmm. He is surrounded in golden light. He takes my face in his hands. He turns me toward him in the light, and he says to me, Jamie, listen, listen, listen to me. Let my love enter you fully. And in that moment, the most amazing thing happened to me. His love for me suddenly penetrated into me in a way that it never could when he lived in a physical body because now that he's freed from the vessel of his human body, the energy of his soul and his love for me could enter me unimpeded. And in that moment, I was filled with self-love. His love for me became my self-love. And this is the beauty of love never dies because once you reconnect with your loved ones and you allow them to fill that well inside you to overflowing with their love for you, you now become an oasis, an overwhelming well of love that you can now share with the world. Mm, and so beautiful. this is this is love never dies. So obviously, the more evolved we are, the more loving we are, the easier it's going to be for us to reconnect to our loved ones when we re-enter spirit. Yes, yes. And uh, you you said you were an agnostic before. What is your relationship with God or spirit at this point after having this great yeah well great love fest it it goes without saying you know (laughs) sure sure that's a former situation right yeah yeah what a beautiful book i just really enjoyed it and and it was healing in so many ways and you have become such a clear channel is there hope for all of us if we practice some of these absolutely uh, okay i've got to tell you connie i mean every week now since i'll never forget it the last week in january on my hay house show People call in and, you know, people who some of them haven't yet read the book and we just do, I put everybody listening into the trance. We do my dialoguing with the departed and I just sort of get them going. And the next thing you know, they're doing their own dialogue. They're getting their own messages, their own signs. They're speaking through open vessels and earthly props and all this. And then I get letters, you know, people writing to me and emailing me saying, I'm totally cruising now, you know? So it's cumulative. If you work yeah, on it, it, it gets a little more. It's like going to more. the gym. Yeah, okay. You go at first, you can't even bear one pound of weight, and then you build your muscle. This is a psychic muscle. You just practice, and you get better. 
and the, the channels are clearer. Do you believe the veil is thinning even more? Um, I do. I absolutely do. <laughs> I've asked other guests that, and they've said the same thing. So I just absolutely felt, felt like do. I, sh I should ask you. And that's what Jean said. There's a very thin veil <laughs> mm. between the realm where you are and the realm where I am. Mm -hmm. Well, is there any last word that maybe Jean was would like to leave us with? Well, the most important thing is, and you know, each of the chapters in Love Never Dies, I, I have an epigraph, which was channeled into me from him. So I just want everybody to know you can allow the mystery to unfold by not believing everything you've been told. Mm. Mm, okay, I will take just, that with me. <laughs> just, just be open. Okay. And, and also my dialoguing will work for you, even if you don't believe in the afterlife, you know, you sure. just dialogue. Sure. Just do. Sure. And I also want everybody to know, because when the book sold out on Amazon the morning after I did Coast to Coast, lots of people were signing up for my newsletter, because when you sign up for my free newsletter, I'm sending you the preface and the intro of Love Never Dies, which is great, because it gives you like a jump start. Oh, yes, so yes. As you're waiting for the book to come, you've already gotten you know into it, and you're beginning your own journey of well, reconnection. Give us all the information that people need. Where can they find your your website your and your book which is on Amazon and the new book yes yes so just go to drlove.com drlove or askdrlove.com and you'll find out all the information you can also see right on my home page we've embedded my book trailer for love never dies so you can see me and you can see Jean you can see our love photos from you know when we mm. first came together yeah and such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. And thank you, Jean. I'll, I'll just say it. And and I'm looking forward to getting a copy of the paperback because I want to read the, the new chapters. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's a section on science where I really condense down the latest, you know, and the greatest and the genome theory and the holographic model. So it's all there. And that just gives you even more of a reason to say, oh, this is this is not a big leap at all. It it's, makes complete sense. It yeah. does. It's fascinating. So thank you so much, Jamie. Thank I you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Nice talking <laughs> okay, to you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Back to happy. A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.